0: On in. This morning, I want to talk to you. I want you to say this with me. Say, I am the key. All right, I want you to say it a little bit louder. I know we're small, but we can be a little. Come on. I am the key. There we go. I think you believe it a little bit now. We, uh, we're going to talk this morning about being the key because uh, this is kind of concluding a sermon series that wasn't supposed to be a sermon series. I just happened to just end up, the Lord gave me a message each week. And it all ended up becoming a series of messages, and if you want to hear those messages, you can go back and listen over the last four weeks, five weeks, whatever it is, and hear that starting out with, I am important to God's plan. That was the starting of the sermons. Also, a little side note, go and listen to our Wednesday nights. We've been having different speakers. This last week was Juanita. She did an amazing job. I encourage you to go online and listen to that. And this coming week, we're going to have Becky, who's going to be speaking for us, our women's director, and it's going to be great. So I encourage you to come and participate. If you can't be here, go and listen online, okay? But I am the key. When would we look at church today? So many people seem to get the idea, and we've talked about this, that the pastor has it all. The pastor is the one. The pastor, the people on the platform, the 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 people who are paid, whatever it is, they're the ones that are key to the church. And if they're not there, they're not key. Let me tell you, let me give you a quick example here. There's a church that hasn't had a pastor for a year. It's the church that I grew up in. They haven't had a pastor in in a whole year uh, currently. But the church is still going. They're still moving along without a pastor. It's not the way they want, want it to be, but they're looking and they're trying to find the right person to take the place because the two previous pastors had been there for a long time combined. And so they they're right, they want God to give them the right person. But it, the point is, is that they are able to continue to have church because it's not about the pastor. The pastor is here to teach. The pastor is here to help you. You can go back and, and listen to some of those messages. The first message talks about that. Uh, the pastor is here to uh, feed the lambs, to tend the sheep, and to feed the sheep. Go back and listen to that message get more of that. But today I want to talk about how you are the key. And at the end of the service today, we're going to have a prayer time, and I want to encourage everybody to participate in our prayer time. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, and it starts out right here. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered goods to them. And to one, he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Click on that next slide, will you? The remote is working slowly. Click your your arrow right button, and it'll move. Then he who received the five talents... Sorry, having a little bit of issue here. So um, she'll get that, and I'll just read it it right here. So uh, then he who received the five talents and traded with them and made another five talents, and likewise, he who had received two gained two more. Also, he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them, so he You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you uh, have what is yours. But his Lord answered him and said, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would at least receive my interest. So take the talent from him, give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given and will have abundance, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, when we look at this passage and we look at talents, I want you to get an idea of what a talent is. Uh, you, you may never have heard this before. If you've heard this a lot of times, we like to use this, this, uh, this passage of Scripture to talk about your talents, whether it's uh, um, you know, playing piano, whether it's working and building, whether it's running a sound system, teaching a Sunday school class whatever those, talking to people, conversing with people uh, outside the church, maybe we use those. We say those are our talents. But really, let's put this in context. When he's talking here about talents, it's talking about money. And when he's talking about money, when he gave the five talents, he was giving five years' worth of income to this guy, five years' worth of income. And then he went down and he gave uh, the next one, he gave him, uh, he gave the next one two talents. So he gave him two years worth of income. And the last one he gave one year worth of income. So five years, one year, two years of income. And the person who had five went and took that five and he did something with it. And the person who had two went and did something with it. And the person who one did nothing with it. See, when we, be, when we come to Jesus and we meet Jesus and he gets in our life and the blood of Jesus flows over us, we, we, have, we have then become children of the king. The Bible says that we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ himself. And so you have to understand who you are. I think many times we don't understand who we are. We come in the church, like I said, we look at the pastor and other uh, key figures in the church, and we say, well, we're great, we're we're okay, we're going to sit here in the chair, we're going to sing a few songs, and we're going to go home, and that's probably all that God has for me. But you've got to understand when you're a prince or a princess of the Lord Most High, of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you have authority that others do not have. And when you don't use that authority for the Lord the way he wants you to, he is displeased with you in that respect. And, and this is not about, you know, getting wealthy. This is not about, you know, having all the best things in, the, in life. What it is about is that the Lord has entrusted you with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has entrusted you to do great and mighty things in his name. He says, these things and greater will you do because of me. These things and greater than what Jesus says, that these things are greater than I have done. I've healed people, I've cast out the demons, I've I've done all these wonders. These things and greater, greater will you do because you know me. And when we sit back and we say, well, we don't really matter, we don't have an effect. I think of, again, and I talked about Billy Graham earlier, I think of Billy Graham again. If Billy Graham would have taken that approach, if he would have said, you know, I'm 15, 16 years old, I'm in this... Uh, I'm in this camp meeting, and I receive the Lord, and now I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to do nothing. How many millions and millions of people would not have heard? Billions probably of people. I don't know how many heard of the gospel because of him, but we know millions and millions for sure have heard of the gospel because of Billy Graham. Why? Because his life and because of what he wanted to do with it. He wanted to, to see people get saved. He wanted to do something with it. You know, well, that's Billy Graham, and that's great. God used him for that way. You know, God, that's, you know, I just don't have that. Well, maybe you don't. God doesn't use everyone the same exact way as he used somebody else. But the thing is, if we don't give people the, if we don't give people, if we don't give God the opportunity to use us, then how will we ever know? This man who had get given, been given one talent, instead of saying, you know, what? You know what? what, my Lord has entrusted me with a year's worth, he didn't even have enough sense to go and put it in the bank where it would have at least attracted interest. And I know right now, if you take and put your money in a savings account, you're not going to get much interest, but you'd get a little bit, right? You'd get a little bit of interest. But he didn't even have enough sense and, and enough care. He's, You know, I'm just going to go bury this until the master gets back. And the thing is, is when the end came, the master was so upset, the scripture said there at that end part, and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, I think in the American culture of Christianity that we've got really messed up. And let me say, I am scared for American Christians. I'm scared because American Christianity has told us that it's good enough to go to church once in a while. It's, it's told us it's good enough to sit on the seat once in a while. It's good enough that once in a while we'll talk about Jesus if somebody else brings it up. Why? Because I've got grace. As long as I've got grace, I'm good to go, right? I can go and live my life the way I want to live it, but I don't have to do anything else. Because, see, I, I'm, I'm not called to be the pastor. That's okay, The Bible right here, he didn't say, he said there was one person who was given five or five years worth of income. He was given five years worth of income. And that man went and did something with it. There was one that was given two and there was one that was given one. Do you realize that each one of them had been given a portion that they could do something with, but only two of them did something with it. So when you look at yourself and you go, listen, I don't have the ability to speak in front of somebody. I don't have the ability to teach a Sunday school class. I don't don't know how to go up to somebody and talk to them about Jesus. God has given you what you need, and you've got to go and do something with it. Because let me tell you something, as great as Billy Graham is, there were hundreds of people who would work his crusades, hundreds of people. And he would say, look around there's these certain areas you go to and there's going to be somebody there to pray with you and they're going to help you and you're going to they're going to help you find a church they're going to pray with whatever it is that you need they're there you see Billy Graham could give the message but if there was nobody there to help uh, back that message up then what good did it do Jesus gave the message but he had 12 disciples that followed him around, and he had even more than that that followed him. And we know that in the upper room there were 120 people who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and and they went out and they, they did ministry. See, the thing is, is Jesus, he could have stayed here. God, he could come in the clouds and he could go, hey, this is God, listen to me and do what I tell you to do. But he doesn't do that. Why? Because God is a personal, per, personal God. He's not about how. Oh, I'm great. I'm going to show you, and then you're going to serve me this way. No, He's a personal God, and He personally lives out, lives out the gospel. It should be through us human beings. When we walk, and when we talk, and when we go to work, and when we're on the phone with somebody, and when we're at Walmart, and when we're wherever we are. Maybe it's at church. Sometimes church is a great place to to witness to people and minister to people because people who are hurting are looking for a doctor. And people who are hurting inside are looking for a, an answer to their problems and they come into church and one of the greatest places that you can minister is in a church. Hugging their neck, high-fiving them, telling them how much you love them and care about them and how much Jesus loves them and cares about them. You don't know what's going on in the person's life beside you. Husbands and wives, you may think you know what's going on with your spouse, but you may not know. And when, they, when we come to church, what an opportunity to be able to use that that God has given us for the glory of God. You are key. I am key, not because I'm a pastor. I am key because I listened to God and said, God, what do you want me to do? Now, I'm not saying I'm a great Musician or singer, but when I was younger, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to go out, and I want to before before the contemporary worship came into being, where well, it's it's popular, like everybody sings worship music now. I think I think the secular people are going to start singing worship music just because there's so much money in it. Before that, I I me and a, I had a drummer, and me and him were were playing around, and we had this little. I don't know if you call it a band, but, you know, we we were playing together and we called ourselves New Sound. And my whole deal was I wanted to create a new sound and I wanted to create worship music and, and I, I just wanted people to worship the Lord. And then Chris Tomlin came along and blew off the doors. You know, I didn't have no choice. You know. who, who can compete against Chris? But you know, another thing is is, is... That was something that I was thinking about. And I I was like, oh, one day, this is what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be on stage. I'm going to be on a big stage. I'm going to be leading worship to thousands of people. And they're going to be raising their hands, and they're going to be praising God, and they're going to be worshiping the Lord. But then the Lord, that's not where he really led me. But I was willing to listen to what he was giving me and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Because, see, that's all we got to do. We don't have to say we've got to do something big. All we've got to do is say we've got to do something with what we got. What did he say to the man that he gave one talent to? He says, if you would at least have put it in the bank, you wouldn't have got a lot, but at least you would have got something. And I say to you today, you have to understand this is how key you are. If you at least will invest a little bit, a little bit, that God will have a little bit of return and he will say, hey, at least you did something with it. But it's when you say, no, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. No, you know, I'm good. I'm going to go have fun. I'm going to live my life the way I want to. This is not that important. And it's when you do that that you make the mistake. And let me tell you something. I don't know who's going to heaven and who's not going to heaven. All right? But right down here he says that that servant that was unprofitable that he was thrown into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And what is that? That's hell. I mean, that's, that's where you go. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's hell. But when he takes, when he, ha- when he gives you five talents, you've got to believe and you've got to understand that God is, you take that five talents and you go and invest it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to return. It's going to have a good return. The scripture says that that his word will not return to him void. It will not come back without being effective. And so when he gives you the five talents or the two talents, you take that, whatever it is, it's gonna return. And you're gonna look at that and you're gonna look back and go, man, I'm glad I didn't sit on that. Do you understand when you sit on what God gives you and you don't say, I am the key. I am the key to unlocking the greatness of the gospel in somebody else's life. That's what I'm the key of. I'm the key of unlocking the greatness of the gospel in somebody else's life. You want to know something? Because if you don't tell them, there's a a, a great story. Some missionaries went over, it was China, I think it was, and they, they, they came over and they were preaching the gospel and this man got saved. And he said, why did it take you so long to bring that to us? He says, my father just passed away and never heard. About Jesus. Thankfully, someone took up the cross. Someone took up the mantle. Someone says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. But you've got to understand the person that you're talking with, the person that you're around, the person that God's put in your path, you don't know where they're going to end up at the end of the day. People die every day. There's one guaranteed thing in this world you ain't living forever. That's a guarantee. I'll guarantee you right now, eventually you're gonna die. The question is, what about the other people around you? You see, this guy has had this talent, and he just, oh, I got it, but I'm gonna bury it, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna show it to anybody, I'm not gonna let anybody see it, I'm not gonna nothing. And when we're living for the Lord. We, it should be out in the open, otherwise we're not living for the Lord. And we bury what God has given us in the ground and we say, you know what, all we're going to do is mess things up. And what is that? That is fear. That's what happened to this guy. He got afraid. He got afraid. And, I, and I'll use Juanita as an example. You know, I said, Juanita, we're gonna, we're going to stretch and expand your ministry options. And she said, oh no! Yeah, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can get up in front of somebody. I says, "Well, let me tell you something. You haven't been used properly up to this point, and we're going to use you correctly." And was she scared? Was she concerned? Was she a little? Yeah, yeah. But she, she Wednesday night she preached. It was great. It was powerful. Man, the Holy Spirit was on her. It was great. Why? Because she said, "You know what? I don't care about the fear." I don't care about the fear. I'm going to go ahead, and God's given me something. The pastor said, God, see, sometimes we we have to be the ones that prod somebody, okay? Sometimes you just need to prod somebody else along. Maybe you need to encourage that person that's around you, and they're like, I don't know. No, you can do it. You can do it. Come on now. You can do it. You need to be their financial broker in, 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 in the gospel, right? You need to say, no, listen, the gospel needs you. You are key to this. Let me help you out. That's all I was doing with needed. No, I know. I know what God's got for you. I can see it all over you. And sometimes that's what we need to do. But then maybe you're the person who you're a little scared, you're a little afraid. But you can't go and say, you know what, since I'm afraid, I'm going to hide it right here. Instead, you got to say, no, if God has given me this, if God has given me this gospel, then I need to ask God now, how do you want me to use it? Because I want to see that multiply and multiply and multiply. You know, when we talk about, salvation. We talk about uh, getting people to Christ. If you look at this, if you think about this, one person telling one person, all right? You got two. So this person tells another person. This person tells another person. Now you got four. I don't have enough fingers. This multiplication is going to happen really fast, all right? It's just going to multiply. It's just going to expand so quickly. Why? Because when we realize that we are the key— that we ha- we are the key to the kingdom gospel being ministered into somebody's life and see people saved. Now let me tell you something. If you're not worried about people getting saved, then you're you're not going to use the key. You're not going to be the key. You're not going to unlock the gospel in that person's life. Instead, you're going to bury it. You're going to bury it. See what I would hope, and I don't know. Uh, some of you know who who um, uh, brother David Wilkerson was. a great pastor, evangelist out of New York, and uh, pastored a church. He, he, he did amazing things. He's a small guy too. He wasn't some big stature guy. He wasn't six foot five. He went into the gangs. He, I mean, he dealt with the gangs, man. I'm talking about guns and knives and everything else. Nicky Cruz, It was one of the great guys that he was able to, to help get to, to, to the Lord. Uh, if you ever go and listen, and he, he, he died, you know, he was in a car accident a few years ago at uh, 80-something years old, but if you ever listen to him preach, what is the importance of the message? Is that the people hear the gospel. That's the importance of the message. And if we don't take that on us to say the people need to hear the gospel, and sometimes people say, well, maybe maybe if, if you're in a bigger church, or, or maybe if you got more money. No, all we got to do is do what we can with what God has given us and then let him take care of it. That's why the guy with one talent, he was right, He was upset with you about? Because he hid it. Not because he only had one, it's because he hit it. You gotta take it and you gotta use it. You gotta take what God's given you and use it. Do you wanna get to God's heaven? And he looked down at you and go, hey, boy, I gave you some stuff down there, didn't I? You didn't do a thing with it. You buried it. You didn't care. You thought your friends were going to laugh at you. And I'm not saying that you got to get up on a stage and preach or sing or anything like that. I'm saying you've got to take and you've got to be sincere with the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want from me? In a positive way, not a negative way. In a, am saying positive. What, God, do you want from me? If you will tell me what you want from me, then with you, God, I will do my best to serve you. I will do my best to use what you have, have given, me, given me. I will do my best to invest the gospel into somebody else's life. You know what? If, if the church in America is dying, which it is, we see thousands of churches, six to, to 10,000 churches are closing in the United States every year, 100 to 200 a week. Six to 10,000 churches a year. Are, are, are being closed. And you wonder why we are where we are in America. But let me tell you something, I don't care if we have two people here, I don't care if we have 200 or 2,000 people here. We cannot live an unlimited life if we don't have Jesus. We cannot live an unlimited life if we don't tell people about Jesus. How is it fair to have the keys to the kingdom and know the gospel that Jesus saves, Jesus saves, and not tell anybody about it. How is that fair to them? It's free. It's not the lottery. You don't have to hope that you got the right number. It's free. And I know some of you have have experienced uh, such an amazing uh, act of love from Jesus in your life. You know, you tell, ask Will after service, I say, give me a little bit of your testimony, and he will cry. Why? Because that's how, uh, that's how important, that's how special and precious what God did in his life is, and he's willing to tell somebody else about it. He's willing to say, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, are you, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do that? Can, can, let, me, let me tell you what, what God did with me. That's where we need to be. We need to say, God, here is my talent that you have given me, whether it's a year's worth or whether it's five years' worth. But I want to take it, and I want to see it multiply. And as it multiplies, what happened with this, this guy? What do you think happened with this guy? Oh, the Lord said, man this guy's great. Now let me put him and elevate him a little bit higher. See, you're not going to stay right where you are. When you begin to do what God wants you to do, and you begin to invest in the kingdom like he wants you, whatever it is that he's wanting you to do, investing in the kingdom, what's he going to do? He's going to start raising you up. You go, oh, you did good there. Well, I need to do good the other night. Now what's the next step? Mm, uh-oh. Uh-oh. What's the next step for you? Say, okay, God, all right, this is it right here, God. This is it. And God says, all right, you did great there. Man, look at that. I gave you one, you got two. Here, I'm gonna give you two now. You got two, and you got four. Oh, you got four. Now I'm gonna give you four. Now you got eight. Why? Because the Lord wants to use people who are willing be used he wants to use people who are not scared of sharing the gospel who are not scared of living for him and are, aren't worried about what other people think and, and bury it in the ground and he's saying no you did something with it come on come on now let's here we go here we go this is gonna be great let's see what we're gonna do now and before you know it before you know it you'll be looking back going I helped all those people out See, what I want to do when I get to heaven is I don't want to get to heaven and, and the Lord goes, man, you know, um, man, you you had all this stuff. It's great. But no, I wanted to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things, and now I'm going to make you faithful in many more. You weren't faithful in nothing. You buried it. You hid your light. You hid it under a bushel. You didn't want anybody to know you were. Yeah, what, what would you do? I want to get to heaven, and the Lord and I'm standing up there going, "Oh God, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life." Lord, I've been serving you, I've been living for you, I've been doing what you've asked me to do. Lord, maybe you're a business person, and maybe it's what you're doing in your business and how you're 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 promoting the gospel through your business. Let me tell you something: Chick Fil A is blessed for a reason, folks. Whether you like Chick Fil A's food or not, they're blessed for a reason, and they are they, they 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 are are people hate them. I mean, San Antonio just won't even let them go into the, into the airports down there. So now you got the, the Texas Attorney General is looking at it going, wait a minute, is this religious discrimination? Is what's going on here? But, but they're blessed. And every time somebody kicks them, it's like kicks them while they're down or feels like they're going to kick them while they're down. It's like kicks them up. I mean, and they, they just get better and better. Why? Because they have unashamedly lived out the gospel in their lives. But when I look back, when I get to heaven, not only do I want him to say, well done, I want to be able to look behind me and go, hey, and I brought all these people with me. That's what I want to do. See, the the, the pastor, the evangelist who preached the message that convicted Billy Graham He wasn't as big as Billy Graham. He didn't see nearly as many people saved as Billy Graham did. But it's a multiplication when he gets to heaven. And I think, now this is just me. I'm sure he couldn't do this, but if he could, I think he'd look back and go, man, look at all those people getting saved down there. And Jesus was like, hey, man, great job, because you you kept Preaching the word. See, Billy Graham, was he, he was a church guy, right? He, His mom and dad were in church, but he wasn't a Christian. And he didn't care about Christ. He didn't care about living in Christianity. He didn't care about living for Jesus. But this evangelist said, there's this stuff going on at this house across the street from us that these kids are going to when they're going on lunch. They're supposed to be eating lunch there, but other things are going on that's not supposed to be going on. And this evangelist got the whole school riled up because of this. And so what happened with Billy? He's like, oh, i got to go listen to this guy. <laughs> what is going on? How did he know what was going on over in the, you know, going on here? And he went and he was convicted by the gospel that was preached because sin was being preached and salvation through the blood of Jesus, through Jesus alone was being preached. And what did he do? He made a change. And now that evangelist was able to look back and go, boy, I didn't. I didn't see a lot of people saved, as many people saved as Billy. But man, that multiplication. That multiplication because Billy and then the next person and then all the people... I'm telling you what, and if you talk, you could talk to people to this day. Maybe somebody in this room was touched by Billy Graham's ministry. But what's the point? It's not that Billy Graham's great, but it's that somebody before him. And who was the person before that who got who led that evangelist to the Lord? Maybe it was you as a parent. Maybe you leading your children is part of the gospel. Maybe you leading your family, husband, wife, leading your family to that point. Maybe it is grandparents. Maybe it is you. Maybe mother, father-in-law. Whatever it is, it could be something as simple as that. Living your life out and showing people Jesus. You are key. You are key. Praise God. I want to go to that. Um, I can click it here. I, I'm going to click it.